Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. to a few things where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Avakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at avakind.com. Hey. Hi. What have you been loving on avakind.com these days? Um, I am into something that our whole team has been into. Yeah. In fact, it, it, these little oleo-y loose, uh, oleo-y oso balms. So mm-hmm. we have them in three colors on the site. We have crimson, melon, and bronze shimmer. Yes. Bronze shimmer. Um, I use the crimson and the melon. Yeah. And on your cheek or your lips? Uh, kind of both. I Primarily you cheeks. Eyes? No, I don't. I should start using them on my eyes because I use blush on my eyes. Do you? But I use the same brush for my cheeks and my you eyelids. You just kind of do all of it. And it's pretty dumb because I get the blush like under my eyes. Oh, uh, yeah. You should try using yeah. these on your eyes. I should. Um, so I... I don't use anything on my eyes at this point. And I mostly, I pretty much use these on my cheeks, but then I find myself that whenever I have it out, I also just put it on my lips. Okay. Yeah. The lips are a second thought for me with but this product. it's a little bit of moisture for your lips too. It is. Totally. Yeah. And I, I was trying to think of when I use the red and when I use that was the, be my the, next question. the peachy melon yeah. one. And Claire, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. You just... Some days I feel like one, some days I feel like the other. Huh. And okay. I pretty much have them both on me. It's not like I'm like, oh, I just have yeah. this one in my bag and mm-hmm. I, you know, I default to it because it's there. No. I also wear it, use them a lot after a workout class and couldn't tell you why that feels like mm-hmm. the right time. Well, but maybe like nice I want to feel like especially yeah. like flushed yeah, or like, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. That. Um, but they're very sheer and they give like a nice glow and they're moisturizing. And they're just like a very good all purpose little thing that picks your face right up. It really does. Picks it right up. They're a glow. Um, they're sure. a glow. Um, and they are 10% off with the code a few things. They sure are. Um, you know what else we want to talk about today in addition to your glow? <laughs> what? Um, tiny umbrellas, Japanese umbrellas. Why the Japanese are so much more advanced than us when it comes to small umbrellas. Light umbrellas. Yeah. So your mom, we were together when your mom came back from Japan and she mm-hmm. brought with her not one, not two, but three umbrellas. Well, she brought back with her an entire carry-on bag, which she then proceeded to unpack for us. She did a, a haul show. video. She, she did, did a, a haul, haul video. <laughs> no one was recording it, but it was you, my mom, and my dad. A live haul show. And yeah. we were all 
all uh, sat down um, and we were all seated presented, for this performance. Yeah, presented. She had a big gray bag and she pulled things out one by one. And I would say there were like six things in the bag and three of them were umbrellas. Yeah, and there's a lot of ooing and aahing from I would say you and I would say me and I would say not, <laughs> not your dad. My dad. No, he was not even actually looking in her direction. <laughs> <laughs> I refused. So there were. So let's start with two of the umbrellas, mm-hmm. which were two tiny rain umbrellas. Yeah, and extremely light. And the thing that I frustrates me about my mother is that Japan sells at like the drugstore and just on the street equally light umbrellas that do break rather quickly, but they're like five bucks. Yeah. And they're and ju- you like the weather vane ones? That's the ones. Yeah. yeah. And whenever anybody goes to Japan and they ask me if they can bring me anything, I ask for that. I, you can also buy them on eBay. Those are yes, the ones I bought right. you got on eBay, little, you and I. They were uh, like a bear one and a bunny one. That's correct. Yeah. I um, they had bear and bunny cases. <laughs> I don't ask my mom to bring them for me because she only buys the really expensive ones. And that would be like asking her to buy me a hundred dollar umbrella. And so I'm not going to do it. (laughs) She also adopted um, a very Japanese uh, custom, which was she decided it was time for her to buy a sun umbrella while she was there. Um, She did seem to be taking the most pride in that one. (laughs) She did. And she showed us some pictures of her using it, too. And I do. I so why I, aren't sun umbrellas a thing? I don't know. Well, I mean, I feel like I've been getting way too much sun on my arms and shoulders lately, mm. and that that should be that and like you don't assault. like it, or um, you're worried about the health implications. But, uh, yeah, like well, first I'm worried about the health implications mm-hmm. long term because I just don't I don't want to put sunscreen on my arms every day. That just feels like a lot of effort. I know it's not really, but well, I, I was going to say my mom uses <laughs> to center my mom in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, get her back in here. Do. Get her um, back. She was gone for a second. She uses the Super Goop body lotion that's also an SPF 30. And it's pretty good. I lotion. know. Yeah, yeah, I know what one you're yeah. talking. It's that body, it's body butter, butter one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you know what, Claire? In fact, I even have that product. Well, um, I have no real excuses. Okay. Um, except I just, that you like the coconut oil. Yeah, yeah. I already have. A, I already have something going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just and I don't and I don't think I, my arms need to be getting more color. No, so, not yeah, necessarily. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't <laughs> as a person who's <laughs> that's clearly, what I was just going to say, like, I'm sure if that's, your tan. <laughs> if that's your thing. I just like being tan. What can I say? But I, um, yeah, I just I guess the question is, why has America not advanced in, um, in umbrella usage? Why are we not doing the sun umbrella? Why are we not having light umbrellas? Why can't we get on board? The world is flat. We should have light umbrellas, especially I, in New York, where. You just have to carry one with you at all times. I kind of feel like it's going to be one of those things that like mm-hmm. nail polish never evolved for so many, so many years. Mm. And then all of a sudden there's just going to be this like splash of okay. innovation. That's what I'm telling myself. You right? Know, I, I think that that's true. And I hope so. I really hope so. Because even these weather fane umbrellas that are so inexpensive are, are hard to find on Amazon and eBay. Like, it's, Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to go. You have to you, seek yeah. them. It's not like they're just yeah. falling out of the sky. <laughs> Should we talk about the thing that we're really here to talk we're about, really, which is like yeah. actually a really big thing, which yeah. is so, as we just mentioned, so rare for us. So, yeah, no, we're getting really serious. Well, we've been planning on talking about this for a long time, but it was odd because I hadn't fully decided where I stood on this or like, yeah. I don't know. It was just a weird, weird thing. But what we're going to talk about today is deciding whether or not to have kids. And turns out I decided to have one. The point is, Claire, you're pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant. We hope that it's going to result in a healthy human being. You just said it like I've decided to have one, like you just decided to start trying yeah. when in fact you're further along than that. No, I am. Uh, so while we recorded this, I'll have been 16 weeks pregnant. Yeah. This will go up. I'll be like 20 or something like yeah, that. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but it was a really hard decision um, that I still, even when I got pregnant, was like, oh, God, is this the right decision? Um, okay, so can we talk about how you were feeling maybe a couple, like three years ago? You're 34 now. Yeah, Not that that's relevant yeah, to yeah. any no, of no, this, no, no, but no. I think it's like interesting I, context. And my biggest feeling, it's funny because I hadn't thought about this recently, but I did for a long time feel really strongly that I would be, love to have kids. I would love to do it at like 45. I just yeah. felt like I had a lot of life I wanted to yeah. live. Yeah. Um, and that so much I wanted to do and get done. And like, especially I remember having a total freaking meltdown after at the end of our honeymoon, because we went to Japan, had like a just magical, phenomenal time and then went to um, Hawaii. Hawaii and one hotel we were at didn't allow kids. And then the other one did. And it really ruined the pool experience for me. <laughs> Yeah. And I said to Chris, I was like, I'm not sure if I can do this. And it wasn't because I didn't want to deal with kids in the pool. It was because looking at them made me realize that we couldn't have just had the trip that we had with right. kids. And I was like, I want to go to Japan like five more times. And like, if we have kids, I'm not going to get to do that. And like, um, yeah, I just had a lot of career and as it happened, travel ambitions that I didn't think I could realize. And I also just felt totally unready. So, I mean, I think I'm, I'm more ready now to concede or sort of, you know, make decisions based around somebody else. I'm I'm not as ready to have to like start saving and say no to vacations and yeah, stuff like yeah, that yeah. and and struggle to figure out how I'm gonna get all my work done. I mean, I think in general, as we've scaled the business, my work life balance has gotten a lot better. Totally. Um, so I think I do think that that yeah. has also helped you get into a place like work became somewhat more manageable. And I mean I think people I've I've talked to other mm -hmm. friends who've gone through this process where it's not even like necessarily finding uh, a time when work sort of flatlines, mm -hmm. it's like finding a valley where you're like, okay, I could imagine it in right. this scenario. So I'm so then once you you've come to terms with that, then like when you get a peak, it'll you'll just deal with it when it comes. Yeah, I mean, I remember. So we started the business when I was like 26, and you were 27. Yeah. Is that right? So that for whatever reason, that is the era in which I remember people starting to ask us or like ask me. But I remember, huh. I, 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 yeah, me. But I. I just remember in a lot of those situations, people asking us, I don't know if it was because they had started, we had started a company and it's like, you're going to start a company and have a kid or what. Yeah. But at that point, we had no lives. And I was like, I fully cannot imagine this. And I even in that, like when I was younger, in general, I think my take was always like, I don't have uh, this like, in, I don't know, like desire for kids. Like I'm not desperate for kids. I, I, I can imagine meeting somebody and being excited about doing that with them. Yeah. It's really hard for me to say if I'd been with somebody who didn't want kids. Well, of course. How? What? That's not. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I just always wonder, A, would I have been like, I'm okay not having them? Or B, would it have been like, knowing myself, would I have been like, oh, now I'm being told that I can't have them. I desperately want them. <laughs> doesn't that seem likely that that would happen to me? It does seem. It does seem <laughs> possible. It doesn't seem impossible. All of which is to say that if you haven't gathered by now, it was deeply ambivalent about it for a very yeah. long time and still have some amount of ambivalence Well, I about think it's it. a feeling that a lot of people have. Um, and I have always been deeply envious of you because you have been so firm on not wanting them. And it's not just that you've been so firm on not wanting them. I mean, I'm envious of people who know for sure that they yeah. want them. I'm envious of anyone who feels conviction around it. I mean, I do stuff. think that in many ways it's an easier, it's an easier path. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I should say like from the top that I don't have good language for talking about not wanting to have kids. Why do you have to though? You shouldn't have to. Totally. But I just feel like people have preferences around this and I don't. Yeah. I like, I, I, I don't have preferences around childless or mm -hmm. child free. I don't have preference. I think people like bristle at the idea of saying like, you don't want to have kids or mm -hmm. like, oh, like no kids or like, I don't know. Like that language isn't necessarily yeah. accepted, but yeah, like child free, mm -hmm. like feels like 
we're all like you know wearing linen <laughs> caftans and like yeah, yeah. Yeah, in a way that isn't yeah. authentic to life. No, you just either. don't want children. I don't want yeah. children. Yeah. Um, of I don't want to have or raise children of my own. Yeah. Um, but I've known that since I was, or I, I articulated it mm-hmm. for the first time when I was eighteen. Yeah. Um, and I t- remember distinctly telling my mom in the parking lot of a grocery store, mm-hmm. and I can't even remember, I couldn't tell you how we even got on the topic of this conversation or where this feeling came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, when I was growing up, like had babysat. I, at that point, I was definitely like nannying for a little kid who I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was never an aversion to like children. Mm-hmm. It was always just the sense that like having or raising kids wasn't something that I was inherently drawn to hmm. um and i think and i do think that feeling that way has helped a lot because i do yeah. i've never had ambivalence and i yeah. and i have always come to it from a place of just like pure emotional um like sensibility or awareness mm-hmm. i don't yeah, know you've always been very aware of it yeah, yeah like yeah, i've yeah. just never felt a pool i've never yeah. questioned it yeah i loved babysitting as a kid desperately wanted to babysit like would race home to check the answering machine to see if anybody <laughs> had left a message asking me to babysit and i like now looking back realized that that was not because i loved children or caring for children but i loved being given responsibility and treated like an adult that, oh, that I mean, was that, like the big thing for me and if you think that wasn't for me you yeah. were wrong um, <laughs> i mean i also yeah. like the babysitters we had when i was growing mm-hmm. up like i was obsessed with yeah. and my i had a babysitter who would take care of us when my parents were away and i was obsessed with her and she like influenced my life in a ton of ways and like introduced me to musicals and things that mm-hmm. i was never exposed to and my favorite babysitter who was like the teenager down the street mm-hmm. her phone number her name was jamie and her phone number was six nine three three seven seven seven. and <laughs> my mom used to make me call um it because she thought there was a better chance that she would say yes she's probably right if i called it's hard to say no to a cute girl. to like yeah. an eight-year-old yes yeah. of course but like come totally. on <laughs> yeah i think i loved babysitting so much that i assumed that that like at that stage i was like yeah sure i definitely want to be a parent and then i just like didn't think about it yeah. a whole ton for a yeah. long time until people started asking then it was just like oh my God, now I'm nearing my 30s. And like, those are, you know, apparently biologically, you know, the childbearing years, because I definitely wasn't going to do it in my 20s. Um, I mean, I've definitely myself had that question of, as I get older, mm -hmm. I'm going to, is is there going to be some like biological thing that's going to happen? Am I going to, you know, I've always felt very confident in Mm -hmm. my take on it, but you do wonder like hormonally is something going to change for me? And I just like have never felt it. Yeah. Um, Which, it's yeah, totally normal. But yeah, no, totally. I mean, I also just think you're not someone who really tends to... I, I haven't known you to dramatically shift your opinion on anything that you felt really firm yeah, about yeah. ever. Like, you, you, that's part of your personality, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, I will say, I, in, like, sort of preparing for this episode, I forgot that for a good long while, like a frighteningly long while, I was obsessed with the fact that I didn't know to the point where a therapist said to me, I think you need to just stop thinking about Hmm. it and talking about it because um, when was this? I was trying to remember who the therapist was. It was actually our management coach. Um, And that was like must have been like a year or two ago. We haven't been seeing him that long. But because and when he said that, I was like, you're right. I do think about it all the time, huh. like in my yeah. spare time. I mean, and it was probably like around the time in I got married to Chris. Time. Yeah, <laughs> that's because it was so daunting not knowing. Yeah. I felt like the clock was ticking. And of course, every you know, there's which we can talk more about later, but everybody wants to know, which is very annoying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 
I and what was really frustrating was to not feel like I had any way of figuring it out. Like there was no I have had zero attraction to reading books about it. And there have been a bunch of books lately of people like wrestling with this decision. Totally. And it There's has, the Sheila Hetty book mm-hmm. Motherhood that people are really excited yeah. about. There's Megan O'Connell's book. It, and now we have everything. And now we have everything. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I think in general, it's been like a little bit more topic of conversation. And I have and it was like no amount of thinking, no amount of no. meditating is going to m- help me figure this out. And There's no BuzzFeed quiz <laughs> that I know of. The most sort of like illuminating thing for me or like calming in some way thing that I did read was this essay by, by this woman, Courtney Martin, who's a friend who's also been on the podcast. Um, I'm going to read like a rather long chunk of it because I think it just perfectly articulated for me and what was so hard about it. Um, was this from her book or is this no, separate? sorry. So this is an essay. She writes an essay for, the, uh, on being uh-huh, for uh-huh. the website on being, um, she, sorry, she writes a column yeah. for the, and this was one of the, this was one of them. It was about basically the question of whether or not to have kids and how yeah. it's utterly insane to be like expected to know. So she says, choosing whether to have a kid or not is one of the most important choices you could possibly make. And it's also one of those which you have to make with a preposterous paucity of information. And then she goes on to list all of the questions like, will I be a good parent? Will I like my kid? Da, 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 da. You have to decide yes or no without having the answers to a single one of these questions and so many more. Isn't that insane? When you decided what kind of a blender you were going to buy, you had more information than you do now. As you approach one of the most profound crossroads in any human life, you have to show up with a backpack lead heavy with the unknown and you have zero visibility on what's ahead. You're like a Sherpa with a blindfold on. And that was such a moment for me where I was like, right, there is not going to be an answer. Like no matter what I do. No more seeking is not going to help. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, I am someone who does like read all of the reviews before buying the blender and needs yeah. to look at and then maybe returns the blender <laughs> anyway and buys a different one. I look like before I book a hotel, I'm like on Instagram looking at not only the location tag, but the hashtag and like the tagged pictures of the hotel. Like, so the idea that I would go into this like totally life changing <laughs> thing and be like, I have zero information except like a decent amount of babysitting in my early teen years is just. And you've met some babies. I've met some. Yeah. Well, and that's the other hard and thing. And you like yeah. a lot of them and you don't like some of them too well and that's been a hard thing for me too as you know where I just like look at all mothers and I'm like but I don't want to be like that and you're like you're nothing like that person and I'm like I know but <laughs> you I weren't like be that person that before club. no th- this yeah. is actually a really interesting yeah. thing that I've I've discovered on yeah. this road um that you th- there there is a sense and this is something I feel mm-hmm. something we both feel that yeah. motherhood is a club yes exactly motherhood is a club I don't want to be in that club you don't want to be in that club <laughs> I'm always like afraid that I'm gonna feel <laughs> left out yet. for like not being in the club that I desperately didn't want to join. Yeah. Like desperately <laughs> didn't want to join. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- you're that, that's a very accurate assessment. It's that motherhood is treated in media like a club. And yeah. listen, I am sure that as soon as I have a kid, I'm going to desperately want that community and yes. like f- for support and all of that. But yeah, it, it just, I think that that's a very accurate way of putting it. I mean, ultimately, when it did come down to making the decision, I think there were there were like a couple of things after so much thinking about it. And something that was really hard for me to admit to myself was that the number one thing holding me back or like my number one sort of fear of having a kid was that it would get in the way of work. Yeah. And that was so hard for me to admit. And and that's also obviously so layered because that means you, too. And the yeah. fact that you're not going to have a yeah. kid and what that would mean for our relationship and our partnership. And we've cried about this. We've we know. Cried, we've <laughs> cried, we could cry again. We're going to try not to. But yeah, it was like 
so it, but it was all wrapped up in that. And it was yeah. like this idea that uh, there, that our roads would diverge in this way. Exactly. And that, like, how do you, how do we make that from feeling, feeling bad? Right. And that, you know, and then in addition to our relationship, just like, would I be able to accomplish all yeah. of the things professionally I wanted to do? I feel very ambitious, like towards what end? I don't know, but I just feel like I want to accomplish a lot. And ultimately I think we also got to an interesting place in our, of a kind in our career where I was able to have some perspective of, on it and realize like, I, I can't let this be the thing stopping me from exploring other parts of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and we also got to a point in our relationship, I think also where I was like more comfortable talking about that and a more understanding of the significance of our relationship. Um, so that was like the one thing where I was just like, I don't work can't be the reason I don't yeah. do this. The other thing was that I had a really wonderful therapist right around the first side of the time, a lot of therapy references in this episode, but we had a, a, a right around the time we started the business, this woman, Regina. And one of the things that she really like left me with was to not make decisions based on fear. Yeah. And I was like, wow, any sort of like reason I have for not doing this is around fear, like mostly fear of the yeah. unknown. Yeah. Um, and as you also know, I'm notoriously bad with change. Um, and normally and, and you really are. <laughs> and and then typically get really excited about it when it comes, like when it's arrived and settled. You dreaded moving into our office like so much. <laughs> you were like really like dragging your so feet. It was it. so unhappy about it. The first day we were in the office, you were like, this really is better. And I was like, I yeah, OK. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so there was a little bit of self-awareness of there of just being like, right, you hate change. Yeah. Like this is this you're like, don't make a fear based decision. Yeah. Um, and then there was Chris and he 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 wanted a kid. I whenever I was around our families, I noticed that that was always when I wanted a kid the most. And I love family. I'm obsessed with family. I mean, you guys hear how much I talk about my mom. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there was that moment of just being like, I love family. I love Chris. Like he would be an amazing father, I will be. And it was like this thing of like, am I going to deprive like my life partner, my person who I want to build a life together of this thing because IDK? Like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Eh, I don't know if yeah. I want it or not. And it just felt like if I didn't know, it felt unfair is not the works that fairness feels like a very odd uh, <laughs> like thing to bring into this conversation. But I was like, that 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 obviously carried weight for me um and you know at the same time didn't want to try it tried very hard to figure out do, am i only doing it for him because that also very much felt like oh, the wrong decision no, that's a that's a terrible way to approach it a terrible it. way yeah. to do it and i really well, didn't want to i mean yeah then there's this this sense that it's like an obligation and it, and also of something course. that could be lorded over someone like consciously or not which he was very like please don't do this like yeah. for me because i don't want you to resent the shit out of me and i think I know we've had other conversations about other women who felt similarly to me. And I will say I took a long time and was really hard for me to distinguish. I love this man so much. I would do anything for him. How can I make sure that I'm not doing this for him? Yeah, like it's fine yeah, to do yeah, it in part because of him, but I do yeah. want to make sure I'm not doing it just because I'm scared of losing my marriage or scared of what it would mean or something like that. No, I think that that's like a very real thing that people deal with. And yeah. is a real struggle. So um, hard. Yeah. I mean, I think also not to speak for you that. <laughs> yeah. In terms of timing, I think you really wanted your parents to be able to have a meaningful Thank relationship. You. I forgot to put that here, but that was huge. Yeah. I um I think like the grandparent relationship is just one of the most magical, like familial relationships ever. I had really incredible relationships with both sets of my grandparents. And um I think that was a big thing because I did think about waiting. I had to entertain the idea of freezing my eggs. Yeah. And then it was just like, if I'm going to do this, the idea of doing it and not, and my parents not having a relationship with them feels utterly tragic to me. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, that was because you're in the thing. position that, that they're around they, exactly. in your life. That could happen. And Chris's yeah. mom too. And Chris's family are just like incredible grand and, and great grandparents. And so, yeah, but again, there was that factor of like, I don't want to do this for them. No, Am I doing it for them? But, yeah. and, it's, and I found it very hard to be honest with myself or, or just distinguish like, am I doing this? Cause I want to please them because I am also a serious people pleaser. Yeah. Um, and I found that hard, really hard to distinguish. And I really wanted to do it for the quote unquote right reasons or from, you know, for myself. And yeah. I found that so hard. And I just like, man, I'll say it again. I cannot believe like you have this conviction or not can't believe, but I'm so jealous of it. Cause it's like, I couldn't have had I, less conviction. I was just yeah. like, I mean, I think so to go back to the family mm-hmm. thing, I've definitely gotten familial pressure through the years yes. um, and familial pushing. And I think, um, I am I am too a people pleaser and like mm-hmm. a rule follower and um, I have always just like bristled so much at yeah. the idea that like I owe this to anyone you don't um, that I would owe this to my parents or yeah. my aunts and uncles or like whoever mm-hmm. um, that this is like something that I ought to be doing um, yeah. and I think yeah I think I just respond really poorly as I should yeah um, to yeah, any truly. any insinuations. Of that. Um, something I was going to say, you were talking about not acting out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, a lot of people who make the other, the opposite decision, mm-hmm. who are ambivalent but decide not to have yeah. kids, um, are afraid of operating or are like making decisions out of the sense of um, potential regret. Yeah. Like, might I regret right. not having a kid? Right. And the idea of like, might I regret is right. just like also such a bad way to make a decision. Truly. Yeah, you might regret yeah. it, but you also might regret having a kid which is also a really hard thing because so few people are willing to talk about regret yeah of having a yeah, kid. yeah and I yeah. Think some people do i think most of them are french women yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think it i think it's honestly pretty much it's exclusively, exclusively french, french women. women and like all power to them and yeah. thank you for thank you for yes, taking the stand that's here right. the other thing that i feel like i find really challenging is uh that i think the idea of of kids being like in, inherent in the idea of family mm-hmm. um, and that a family is determined by the presence of children. You which know, you, I, mean, which I get we have, so like, angry no, about that. Truly. Yeah. Um, that the idea that family is anything in particular right. other than what you decide yeah. you want it to be. Yeah. Um, so that, so part of that also comes with the sense that like family and baby are baked into a lot of wedding ceremonies mm-hmm. and a lot of like wedding toasts. Yeah. And I feel like I am pretty, a very sensitive yeah. and like very aware of this of yeah. just being like and then when I can't wait for you two to like add someone well, even new. just the language start a family start is a family. how people say start a family. having a kid yeah. when you actually start a family when you decide can't wait for you family. two to start a family yeah. like no you are starting a family yeah. like because you chose this person or right. you're starting a family because you have this great group of friends or exactly. whatever it is there's yeah. no like starting a family right it's not about like pregnancy yeah. Um, yeah, that I find to be wildly frustrating. Um, and the other thing mm-hmm. that really, that really gets me, Claire, mm-hmm. is you'd be a good mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I respond incredibly poorly to the yeah. assumption that you should do anything because you're good at it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. If you want to do it, great. But like, you'd be good at so many things. I hope you don't do most of them. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I could be really good at skydiving. Who knows? Exactly. Who even knows? Not me. I'm not planning on you finding have, out. You like, have pretty great handwriting. Like, I, yes. you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things you're good at. They should not determine your life course. That's right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And um, I also just I, what kills me is like, I just don't think men are ever told like, but you'd be good at it or you're going to change your no. mind. And that 
no. really kills me. I don't no. think they're asked about it in the same way. Oh, they definitely are not asked about yeah. it in the same way. Definitely. I have really wanted to read about women who have decided not to have mm-hmm. kids. And I just like have not gotten as there's just not as much content or yeah. as much like content that I've responded to um, as I want. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's also one of these situations where like, look, I'm seeking something particular. I really want this shared experience. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like what you were talking about, the community mm-hmm. of motherhood, I don't necessarily think there's so much of a community yeah. of like non-motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um but I, there's this book called, and I, I don't know why, but I really think that there will be. I think there will. I be think too. there will be like, and you'll like, you'll be the generation or like the peer group that creates it because I, I don't know. I look around and I have just as many, if not more, like uh, women friends who don't want kids. Yeah, I think. Well, and I think that there is yeah. like some of that is like I think there is that's more prominent in New York maybe that's than true. other places. It has certainly given me a fear of like leaving New York in a mm-hmm. way that maybe isn't like a right. You know, maybe that's isn't okay. Like, we can stay yeah. here forever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's this book I read a few years ago called mm-hmm. Selfish, Shallow, and Self-Absorbed mm-hmm. um, that basically these are what women are accused of when they don't want or people are right. accused of if they don't want to be parents. Um, and I wanted to connect with it way more than and I did. it's an essay collection? It's an essay collection. Okay. It's edited by this woman, Megan Dahm, who I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't connect with it that much, but I think, you know, if you're looking for material on this topic, it's definitely worth giving it a shot because mm-hmm. there just really isn't enough. Yeah. Um, we just recently had on the podcast uh, Glennis McNichol, mm-hmm. who wrote No One Tells You This. Mm-hmm. Um, she is single and childless and yeah. in her very early 40s. And wrote I wrote a memoir about her 40th year and yes. sort of like all of this sinking in. Yes, 100%. Um, there's a really good New York Times article that's called What to Say When People Ask You Why You Aren't Having Kids mm-hmm. that I think just gets at that experience of like yeah. constantly being bombarded with this question. But I don't know if there's anything else people have read that they like, please yeah. send it to me because I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, and about the community, when mm-hmm. I was doing digging on this episode, I landed on this site called thenotmom.com. Oh, good name. The Not Mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he, here's my favorite part of this site. There's like a whole celebrity section about um, iconic non-moms. Um which, which you know, I only I know you're really sensitive to moms. Which is crazy, Claire. You've thought. First of all, there are like two that you've you had thought of, Oprah Ellen and, and Ellen. Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> two women I admire greatly. Yeah, both without children, and I don't know if they'd be where they are today if they'd had kids. So I think most people could probably think of a lot of really iconic moms. You Tammy know. Duckworth. Yeah, you've there's one. That's there's, one. That's for example one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of others, um, yeah. but for those who are struggling to think of non mom examples, <laughs> I'm going to read you some: Catherine yeah. Hepburn, Gwen Ifill, Julia Child, Jane Austen, Ella Fitzgerald, Frida Kahlo, Amelia Earhart, Althea Gibson, uh, Sonia Sotomayor. Terry Gross. Terry Gross is another big oh, one that's for me. A, no, I, I, in general, like add her to the Oprah Ellen list where I just like every time I listen to her, I'm like, God, no, she I speaks really articulately about not wanting kids. Um, and I think it is the long, the long form, form interview. interview. I think that's true. Or it's Mark Marin. I can't remember. Somebody interviewed her and she talked, spoke art- pretty articulately about not wanting them. And I think probably in a way that you would relate to in that there is no like, there's no big thing. She's just like, I just like, it didn't fit into my it, life. It wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to Tiffany. do. It wasn't yeah. like, yeah, it was just like, it wasn't what she wanted to yeah. do. I feel like the one thing we're not talking about that is very much obviously a factor in this, in the decision or the discussion is people who want kids and can't have kids. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, which yeah. just, we have been fortunate not to have been in that situation. And I will admit that was also a thing for me. I was like, well, what if I get in this situation where I'm trying and I can't 
and it's not working out, like, what will I do then? Will I just be like, well, I didn't want it that yeah, bad anyway yeah. or like whatever. And I, we obviously have friends for whom it, that, this has been a very painful thing. And I, I hope that we're like sensitive to that in talking about all of this, but, um, right. It, it, a, it certainly yeah. doesn't just rest in like what your right. desires are right. or like what your intentions are. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to the biological complications, there's economic factors and all of that and everything. Well, or like, are you in a situation where you have a partner that right. you want to have a child with yeah. or are willing to raise a child on your own. I mean, right. these are all factors. Well, yeah. Which, and conversations we've had with friends who are, who are making those decisions. Yeah. I, another thing I want to say is that, um, like one thing that I've been so happy about is just how normalized, um, egg freezing and IVF yeah. and all of that is somebody who went through the egg freezing process. And I thought did a really useful sort of documentation of it is, um, this woman, Katie Storino, who has an mm, Instagram mm-hmm. account called the 12 ish style. She's great. And you should follow her on Instagram in general, her. but yeah, we want her to come on the podcast. We gotta, she's do, great. we gotta make that happen. Um, but she archived it in her Instagram story highlights. She basically Insta storied the entire process of getting her eggs frozen. And I was like, this is wonderful. Well, it was also just nice that it was like visual because mm-hmm. I don't think we get a lot of like take me into this experience totally. in that way. We get yeah. some like written, you know, Sloan Crosley wrote about yes. egg freezing not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was nice to see the video archive. It was wonderful. And I think that's also just something for for people to be aware of and to, to like think seriously about like you don't if you are if you don't want to decide struggling with yeah. the decision there is that option available if you if you can if you have the resources that option yeah. can be yeah, available yeah, yeah. to you and I found her her documenting of it to be very instructional and make it kind of less like terrifying in a lot yeah. of ways totally totally Anyway, we're going to do a part two of this episode where we're going to talk about actually being pregnant. Yeah, that's coming up next. As if I'm the first person to ever do it or just like the first person to talk about it. Uh, I think you'll have something to add. You're weird enough. I hope so. Um, That's the show. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, leave us a review. And now Spotify. Follow us at Of A Kind on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email them to a few things at ofakind.com. To advertise on our podcast, email advertising at ofakind.com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Saints. We are hosted by Dear Media and we record at Showbriz Studios in the East Village. Mm -hmm.